ride with me in my foul life. We're back. Another episode of The Foul Life. Today's episode is a Dogtra-sponsored episode. Y'all training? Y'all getting them ready for the season? Maybe you're already in Canada. I've been training a bunch. I'm just average dog trainer. Average at best. But I want to learn. I'm becoming a sponge. I want to get better because my main goal is to become the best handler that I possibly can be in the field. I'm very enthusiastic and very passionate at this point in my hunting career to become the best dog handler I can be. It's difficult. We got a lot of moving parts to all of our hunts, and I never really put the time in to become a very qualified handler, but through a lot of practice and dedication, I'm slowly but surely getting there. And I have a feeling that the 2021-22 season is going to be my best yet Thanks to Dogtra and all of our training sessions with Axel and Duff and Slash and Waylon and Nelly, all of the dogs that we run with. We have so many good dogs. Thanks to Dogtra. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for supporting the culture of the American hunter, the American provider, the outdoorsmen, dog trainers all over the country and all over the world. And we have one today that's right in the thick of it. She's had a lot of big achievements happened in her life lately in her dog training career anna v is back she's got her hair up she does not have her hat on she's not in wisconsin she's coming to us from the peach state georgia what's up anna hey hi i'm still riding my my dog burning my dog burden high like we were been talking about but um, yeah, it's time for a little bit of a break from being on the road. You've been on it for a good, good, uh, what, three months or how long have you been on it in a row right now with these, all these competitions and tests and yeah. everything? Um, let's see. Well, I've only been coming home for about two weeks at a time. So it's enough to unpack the trailer and truck and then repack it. <laughs> it's not any downtime, but I had to come home. Uh, which stinks right now because grouse season just opened up and I wasn't able to get in the woods before I had to come home because my parents are starting a new family business in my backyard. So we have a massive fall festival opening next weekend with, um, they've put a nine hole putt mini golf course on it to pay tribute to our family farm being a golf course in the past. And then we've got like the massive jumpy pillows and um, the life-size human hamster wheel. And my dad has built slides that literally look like a death trap and <laughs> out of like culvert pipes. I mean, two of them are 26 feet tall. I'm like, I don't know. It's just you're just going to turn the whole community loose out in the backyard and have a good time. I so hope you have the insurance. Yeah. So that's why I came home so I could be here for that. And then so I'll be it's back a, on the road. It's a fall fest. I mean, is there like a corn maze and a pumpkin patch and oh, all yeah. this kind of stuff too? Corn maze, pumpkin patch, hay rides. It's all here. And it's on your hey, property. Cleveland, Cleveland, Georgia. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yep. Skits Mountain Farms. So give, so where where have you been? Um, you've been sending me some pictures with some ribbons and some plaques and some trophies. And talk to me. Tell me what's been going on. Okay. So we talked about the bird dog and life I have and running these 
hunting tournaments. So when you're just talking about being a good handler, that's a make or break it in my world. And so I'm so intrigued about the things that you're focused on, on being a better handler, because even though I've been in the wing shooting world and a wing shooting coach for so long, I absolutely love the dog training thing. And it is a huge commitment training dogs and it takes up so much of your time. You really don't have a life, but it is the most rewarding thing I think I've ever done. And so being able to combine those worlds in these hunting tournaments is such a high for me. So I've had so much luck in the, in the flushing side with, um, with the labs. And so let's see two weekends ago, these were my last two tournaments were both in Wisconsin, but at different locations. And I ran my puppy littles who had turned like a, she turned a year old, like two weeks before our tournament. And I've done all the training on her. So it was the first lab that I've raised and trained my own. And she's not finished because she'll end up having, you know, hand signals and all that stuff. And I'll run her and hunt tests next summer. But we're, we're to that point now where she's moving on to the higher level training. But upland stuff's all finished. So I, I'm like, we're running this puppy thing and we're going to tear it up. And she hadn't had that light bulb moment yet, but I could see it coming. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just get her in here and let her experience this pressure and the excitement and, you know, just the adrenaline of the competition. And so there was like 50 entries in the puppy. And of course, I'm the only female running um, dogs in that. And and it is steep competition. I mean, the flushing side of the BDC is really, really good dogs. So um, scent conditions were awful and it was pretty hot. And so I just didn't have any expectations. Like I had a lot of pressure with the other dogs. I'd said on myself, we were had a certain standard that we had to meet. But when it came to littles, I was like, I'm testing myself and I worked so hard for this. And I know what I've put into this dog and I don't have obligations to anybody else or, or expectations to meet or anybody else. We're just going to have a great time. We were like one of the few dogs that, I mean, I'm talking like five dogs that whole day that even stopped the clock. <laughs> so I never expected to get in finals with her. So we ran on a Friday for prelims and then um, Sunday was, was final. So I was over the moon. I'm like, okay, well, I saw that light bulb moment, like it's on. So I just totally changed my attitude as like, we're there. You proved yourself. You got to go get it. And there's no exception. I don't care how old you are. I don't care. It's your first tournament. I don't care. Like we got to do this. And so they draw for your run order Sunday morning. We get up and we're sequestered. So they said in the middle of the field, there's um, like a parking lot field. They put all the trailers together. So you can't see the fields. You don't know what's going on from anybody else's run. So during prelims, we can watch other runs, not, um, not the run in front of us or the plant in front of us or our plant, but you can watch a field all day long as long as it's not your turn. And there's none of that in, in finals. So you just have to sit there and, and you just got to understand how to play the wind and how to set your dog up. And you got to understand the plant cards and um, just your game and ship has got to be on during those times because there's no uh, homework, like can't do any homework. And hopefully you'd been in that field before if you ran doubles or pointing or something like that, you know, sometimes you do get that, um, up that leg up because you've been in the field before, but sometimes like you just, you're going in blinded. And so it's a big <laughs> adrenaline rush. Well, if we didn't get pulled first, well, the fog was so dang thick. You couldn't see like, you know, I said, we were probably running like a 12 to 15 acre field or whatever. 
We couldn't even see the back poles. You couldn't see the highway. Cars going down, you could hear them, but you can't see them. I'm thinking, holy smokes. Like I'd set these massive expectations. I knew that she had skills, but now I got to be able to shoot in this and I may not even be able to see the bird. So I just said, okay, we're going back to fun mode, right? We're just going to have us a good time. And I turned her loose and it was like, she went to every bird on a straight line, like gate bird done. We went to the left the way the wind was, hit that bird, went to the center bird and I gambled. So in the back, like you've got your three sections, your front, middle and back. Your front section is always going to have one gate bird. Your middle will have two. So within the middle section is broken up into three zones. You have your uh, right, center and left. And then your back section is also set up in three zones with your right center left so based on the plant cards once you find your fourth bird you know where the fifth one is well i just gambled because we had our third bird in the bag by minute 47 <laughs> and i'm like we're we're rolling and i gambled wrong and i cost us two minutes playing her in the wrong zone but she bailed me out so we ended up with a little over five minutes in that field and i was over the moon so we held the the best time all day long until the end of the field. So I just said, heck of this. Like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to watch fields all day long. So I'm running my stopwatch. Every single person comes up. I was a basket case thinking, we're going to do this. Like, we're going to freaking do this. Her first tournament, I did this all by myself. <laughs> and um, and then I, Mike comes up and beats me by 20 seconds by a dog that got a senior hunter title in the summer. And he's done everything. He's already won. Um, a super major in the puppy. And I was like, crap. I mean, but 20 seconds, I'm not going to gripe about that. I'll take second, right? Okay. And then there's two runners, like two hunters left to go. And I'm like, we've got this. Like, I'm going to take second. We're freaking going to celebrate all night long. I'm so pumped. Well, one of the assistants is a real good friend of mine now out of Texas was running another friend of ours dog who just got her master hunter this summer. And she's a firecracker. I'm like, Holy smokes. Like I didn't know who the last two people were. I wouldn't have been so confident if I'd known that he was running Cardi, you know, I would have just accepted third place. It would have been fine. So I was riding this emotional roller coaster and it's so fun because we all run our mouth and talk trash. And then we celebrate when everybody has a good run. It's a lot of fun. And so Nick ended up winning with Cardi and I took third, but I'm still just over the moon with my dog and knowing like she has such a huge future. So that was a really, really great weekend. And then, um, wait, the guy from Texas, the guy from, um, the guy from Texas came out with Cardi and beat the other guy that was ahead of you by 20 seconds. So Cardi from yeah, Texas ends up winning it. Well, Cardi, Cardi lives in Wisconsin. She's the dog, but the handler was from Texas. Yeah. So they won the last run of the day. Um, so I'd held it like all day long until like the, the fourth to last. So, what was the yeah. last, what did Cardi do? How many seconds did she beat you by? A three minute. Three a minutes? Three minute run. So if I, yeah, no, no, she beat me by a minute and a half. She had a three minute run. So if I hadn't have screwed up and I'd played the field like I knew to play the field instead of gambling, I might have actually won. So I could only blame myself. Like my dog totally did her job. Right. So you so move that's on. That's the whole thing when you're talking about like, what now? I lost you. The whole thing is what? Oh, like 
with our game, you know, it takes everything. You've got to be able to handle your dog. You've got to understand field management. You've got to understand how to play the wind. You've got to have the dog, dog skills to do it. You've got to be able to be a shooter. You know I mean? There's like no room for finagling because there's so much luck still in the game that that's the only place that like you can afford mistake is on the luck side. So when you go out there and tell me how it starts, you go, the birds are planted. Tell me how the whole, the field is set up. Okay. So I told you about how you have your zones, right? Yeah. So you go in a blind. Most of the time it's just a truck and a fold chair and you just have to put your back to it. So you learn to listen to the four wheeler, but the, those, those bird planters are getting so smart. So sometimes they'll ride one side of the field and run all the way across the field. So you think, okay, well, I've got a bird on this side and here, like you can start hearing the distance, you know, with the four wheeler and stuff. And so you want to guess where it's going because that cuts out time. Right. And And a lot of times, like in the finals, there's only seconds between first through fifth. I mean, there's not always minutes in there. So it comes down to somebody literally taking a better line to the next zone and cutting out four or five steps. <laughs> so everything matters. And um, so you walk your dog up to the line, you get ready. And, and like my pregame situation is I sit there and I visualize exactly how I'm going to play this field based on the wind, based on the dog, based on my experience in the field. If I have any idea of how this field is laid out, whatever, I sit there and I visualize the whole thing. And I just like get myself together and then it's on. So it's like, hunt them up and you just roll. So then the dog gets the gate bird and then you either go left or right for your middle. The ga- so the gate bird's there and what happens? The dog does what? The dog gets on a point? No, what if I'm it? running the lab, they're flushing. So you're they flushing. either. So you're, you're running a lab. I, mean, and I, he, I do run pointers, but oh gosh. Yeah, I know you run pointers too. So you're running a lab. The, the, the bird flushes. Now you actually have to be dead on you know dead on with your shotgun that day you're killing the bird and the dogs bring it to you so it's a it's a complete hunt live hunt situation these birds are there the gate bird's done oh, and then yeah. and then all of a sudden he runs out gets the bird brings it back you put it in your vest just like you're hunting in north dakota south dakota whatever now you're on to the next one oh, yeah. are people yelling rooster at you no nobody says anything but now in the flushing side they can trap the bird so that's a, that's a whole nother thing. Like everybody's like, oh, well, they can trap it. Well, yeah, but they got a live bird in their mouth. So if they don't, if they drop a bird or they're not force fetched perfectly and they drop that bird and that bird takes off, well, you got to shoot it and they got to go retrieve it again. So when it comes to like this, like let's just say last year at nationals, I was running a dog named Chopper. It's owned by a friend and he he's incredible. He's just a gorgeous, big black lad. I'm loving well, thank God he's master hunter. And so having the, the, the titles on these dogs and running our world, it really doesn't matter about the title. It matters about the skill level what, that they had to obtain to get that title. Right. So what happened is during prelims, they don't clean the field finals. They clean out the field. So there's no extra birds in finals, but there are extra birds, um, during prelims. So what happens is he goes in to flush a bird, but two birds pop up. So I did a double bang, bang, right? So he retrieves the first one. Cause that's the one he marked when he gets back to me, I whistle sit him and cast him to the next one, goes straight to it, brings it back. I mean, we just shave minutes off of our time having to hunt another zone. So having those skills are really awesome 
on the dogs. That's killer. It's a rodeo. I mean, it is such a rodeo. It's so fun. So how many dogs were in this? 25 or 50, did you say? There was, there was 50 dogs entered in the puppy that 50. I ran with Littles. And then, yeah, like at Nationals, I ended up fourth with a, with um, one of the client dogs out of the blast. And we took fourth. And I've got to get my hands back on that dog. I love running him. You know, it's just like, when I mean, you know how it is even sitting in the blind. Like, all these dogs have different personalities. And, you know, I'm wide open. And I love those dogs that you got to handle. The ones that you're having to rein in because you got to keep them in range. Just like hunting anywhere in South Dakota or whatever, dog gets out of range and they start flushing birds out of range. Well, you're a SOL, you know? So, and we're spending big money. Like, you know, it depends on which tournament, but you could spend a couple thousand dollars on entries. Like you can't, can't have that. So yeah, I mean, it is fun. It is just like rodeoing, but we're bird dogging. Do molt, do handlers like yourself, um, enter multiple dogs do some of them do that like they're like in a regular hunt test? oh yeah uh, so you're oh, you yeah. Could, you, that you can enter as many dogs as you want no you max out at four. four so sometimes like if i've got a dog and i'm really wanting to do well with it i might enter it twice but you get four entries um in each category so like this last one i just ran ladies i didn't want to run littles again but everybody's like why don't you put littles in puppy i'm like man i should have so um, when we go to Worlds next, Worlds will be in Kansas in October. I'm going to put her in, in puppy again because she's doing so good. But um, I took first and second this last weekend in ladies. And I've waited almost a year to win with this, this stud dog journey. And um, it was just, it was such a big deal for me. So I did, I got first with Journey and second with Ackley. And Ackley is the whole reason I even love labs. So it was a pretty perfect tournament for me. So, yeah. So wait a minute, you, you got third place in the hunt, in the, in the one that you just described us. Was there a second competition in the last couple of weeks too, that you, that you were telling me about? Through yeah, text? they were back to back weekends. And you got first and second in that one. Mm -hmm. And is that, and, the, and that's in the lady, that's not puppy. Mm -mm. So how many dogs are entered in this one that you, that you got first and second in? Mm, I think there was 12. 12? And what we did, we ran it different. So sometimes they'll do brackets and they'll take like the top, the top times out of each bracket, and that's how they'll go to finals. But this ladies, we played match play. So it was two people run the same exact plant, and the winner moves on. And so I got this is all got, girls. All the handlers are ladies in this one. Uh, yeah. And how old are the dogs in this one? Oh, a whole variety of ages. Like Littles was in it. I screwed her up in that one too. I played the wrong zone again. And then, um, Journey just turned eight. So it was just all variety of ages with, with ladies. And when you get around an all ladies competition, do you find that it's the same relaxed atmosphere, smack talking and ribbon, or is it a lot more focused and serious because it seems like there's a lot of girls that are really trying to prove themselves to get on that, to get onto the next level of this game. Okay. So I guess I'm probably the most hardcore, but the women of the BDC as a whole are amazing. Like we sit in the blind together and crack up and make jokes and talk about family stories or like whatever's going on with life. Like we're all so supportive of each other and cheering each other on. Like everybody's like, good luck, good luck, good luck. Every time, you know, somebody else turn. 
And so it's a really great atmosphere to be in because like for a competition, yeah, I'm competing against other people, but I'm investing all the time into like the training and my shooting and all this stuff. So for me, I don't look at the fact that I'm competing against somebody else. I'm competing against a standard that I have set for myself. So uh, like, like I was saying, like Little's, it was her first tournament. So we're just going to go have fun. And I want to see how she handles this situation. Well, she rode so far above the standard that I raised my standard, right? So, you know, if I'm running a dog that's won so many times, I'm like, okay, well, I got to make sure that I'm giving that dog what it deserves in the field because it's already proven itself, right? So then the pressure's on me as a handler and a shooter to make sure that I don't cheat the dog. And so I don't really think about other people. Like even when I run against the men and I'm the only female, I know I got dogs as good, if not better. So it boils down to, I have to trust my training and I've got to be confident in my training and my skills. I've already proven it to myself. Like I have nothing to prove to anybody else. And I'm competing against myself. What if, when you start talking about the dogs at this level that you got them and you're starting to see some success, is this a daily deal? You know, when you're in dog training and you got, you know, you got your dog at a kennel, these dogs are, our dogs are getting trained every day on different drills. Are you every single day, you got to have these dogs hours at a time. Each dog is going through every single part of these hunt tests that you do, or is this more of a relaxed situation as opposed to like a field test or a master hunt program and stuff like that? Oh, it's way more relaxed. And I'm going to tell you, like we've talked about genetics so much and that's what makes the difference with this world is that you gotta have, especially on the flushing side, you gotta have a dog that's, that's just, all about upland so i don't know that i could come and get your dog as highly trained as they are i don't know that i could go get that dog and it'd be as successful in my world right even though like the dogs that we're running like these stud dogs they were master hunters by the time they were three years old you know i mean they've they've conquered it and they understand that and everything but they've got a they've got a motor where they want to go and they and like all they think about is where is that bird and it is so much fun. Now, when they come in the house, like they're, you know, couch potatoes and you'd never know that they've got this extra gear, but that's what makes the difference. And so it's been really cool too, for me to watch that difference in training, right? So you get a dog that's like super birdie when you're doing bird intro and gun conditioning and all this stuff. But then by the time that you get all the foundations built and you put it together and then you turn them loose some of them don't put it together as well as others. And the only thing that's different is genetics because they went through the exact same training program. Right. So yeah, it, it really just boils down to that. When you start talking about genetics and you start accumulating these victories and these top three finishes, first and seconds, um, do you start getting into that? Are people asking you like, Hey, are you going to you know, start breeding these dogs? Can we get a puppy from this dog? Can we get a puppy from that dog? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's happens a lot. Like, um, like the kennel that I run with in Wisconsin, I think they have the most, um, master hunters that are also tournament hunting with tournament hunting wins in the country. So it's like, it boils down to those genetics. And I just got, you know, I got lucky. That's what I have. That was all. Well, was what I was introduced to on the flushing side. I'd never ran 
labs or flushers before these dogs. So for me, because I came in with instant success. I mean, the first time I ran a flusher, I took second. So I'm like sold on the, the whole genetic life. But now like on the pointer side, okay, this is how my schedule's been. This is why I look like this. So thank you for pointing out that I'm a hot mess right now. I really appreciate that. I never said that. I said you had your hair up. <laughs> what? I never okay, said so I drove. <laughs> I drove back to Georgia. Uh, no, I drove back to Georgia on Wednesday, which is like I don't know an eighteen-hour drive, right? And I got all the dogs with me, whatever. So I roll in at like three thirty in the morning, whatever. Well, I got a dog in heat. I got to breed her. Well, I got to go get a progesterone. Well, that's an hour away in the opposite direction of the kennel that I want that has the stud dog that I want to breed her to. So I go over there, get a progesterone. Well, they're supposed to call me. Well, some somehow, you know life happens well they didn't call me and then i got busy working and then i forgot that didn't call me so luckily i remembered right before they closed so here it is like 5 30 i'm calling the vet she's perfect well great so let's just hop back in the truck and make another six hour round trip to the breeder so at like nine o'clock last night i'm in west georgia breeding the dog roll back home get back home at 1 30 start all over again today you know i mean like who does this crazy stuff? Yeah, why are you doing it? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I'm so pumped about, well, I mean, I've got puppies on the ground now. So Mercy had a litter or in the spring. And um, that was the first rare I ever had. And I mean, she's really turning up. And the problem that I've had while they are MIA in the tournament world right now is not because I don't want to run them, but it seems like every time I turn around, they're in the heat or they've been bred when all the big stuff happens. And so they're missing out because, you know, I'm not paying to run a heat dog when I know there's so many dogs in that, in that division that I'm going to be running in the dark. I'm just not going to do it. So it's just like, okay, well, I'm not going to chance that because it's steep competition. You know, these guys have been doing it as long as I've been alive. So I want a chance to have, um, to have a good run with sunshine. So, Anyways, that's kind of how that's worked. And then Mercy's puppies, I've got four in the kennel right now. One, yeah. And so I'll train up those. And bred Dolly last night to um, a phenomenal dog dual champion out of Walnut Hill Kennels. And I'm just so pumped about that. So I'm going to have some, some great hunting dogs out of that. So I'm probably going to keep some. And so I, we had talked about training. And the schedule and commitments and all that stuff. So what I've decided to do because of my crazy travel life is I'm just going to train up my own little puppies and sell started dogs to crazy hunters or people that want to join our tournament world and see what it's all about and just have fun with it. This is going to be your business model? Yeah. And what's it going to be called? Yeah, you're right. I mean, like it is hard with me being on the road to say, okay, this dog's going to finish up at this certain time, but I'm not going home for another month. Well, nobody wants to not have their dog for another month. So I'm not willing to give up my travel schedule and the things that I love. So I'm just going to switch it around a little bit and not give up anything. And where do you travel to next? Uh, I'll be back up in Wisconsin um, on the 8th, I guess. And then uh, I've got some really cool marketing plans coming up. We're going to do some cool stuff with the dogs for a couple of days with a field media and then uh, hit the grouse woods. That's one major thing I cannot wait to get back up there for. 
and then off to Kansas for Worlds on the 17th. And so that'll be another week-long tournament there. And then go back and train dogs all day and hit the grouse woods. And if the geese are flying, set up a blind. So mental-wise, you love this and you're passionate about it. You love to travel. In the foreseeable future, in my opinion, you're not going to have much of a life as far as like, Hey, I'm going to go to the Bahamas next week and just chill. Like when you're a dog trainer and you're responsible for all these and you, let's say your kennel, you know, like you're starting up, like you are, you don't have a whole bunch of trainers or a GM or somebody looking out through these dogs. I mean, this is a 24 hour a day, seven days a week, babysitting drill to where you're not just going to be able to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go jump on a plane and go down to Tahiti for a couple of, a couple of weeks. Right. You, you can't plan like that. You're, you're stuck now. But I wouldn't do that anyways. I live in Georgia. So PCB is like the most famous redneck beach of all time. It's like seven hours away. And I go there when I'm forced to. So like, I don't really care that I can't go to the beach. If, if somebody says, okay. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's just like, take the beach word out of it. Okay, forget Tahiti, okay. forget the Bahamas. I'm talking about anything you can't just get up and go this is like having a bunch of newborns as a mama right you're going to be i know you have but this is like you're you're not going to be able to just get up and go do anything personally am i wrong wrong or right i mean you always have these dogs all the events that i do like i work the expo and um all this stuff like there's all go with me i got all my dogs there got my stakeouts and they're in i just yeah i'll go to the banquet and then I go do all my dog chores, and then I put everybody in bed, and then I start my morning, and I go do all my dog chores, then I go to work and take the dogs with me. Yeah, it's really like that. You're right. And, and how many dogs? How many dogs at any given time do you have with you? No more than fifteen. No more than fifteen. Just you with fifteen. <laughs> so you'll have fifteen yeah, steak. You'll have fifteen steaks out of an expo with dogs tied off to fifteen steaks, laying around, sitting around. Yeah, yeah. There was twelve at the expo. I left some. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's no big deal. No big deal. They're so cute and they're so well-behaved and everybody just wants to pet them. So it's good. It's all good. Yeah. I like it. What, um, what callers have you been, are you mainly using for these type of training sessions to get ready for what you just described as like these live hunt competitions? Oh, I love the TMB duel. I absolutely love it. Especially like. You got, you know, your color system, you've got the double dials and I'm running the labs and the short hairs and they, they have such different levels of, um, stem, you know, I mean, even just with the way that they're built with the labs, with their thicker skin and their thicker hair and all this stuff, like they're usually have a higher tolerance. So you just have like, you set one green, one orange for each of them and roll with it. Yeah. And then like, if I'm airing dogs or whatever, it makes it really simple too. And the way that that fits on my my banded vest, I tell you that, like, I'm not even, I have to plug that because in my world, your equipment and your gear will make or break you. And that has been probably the fourth, probably, vest that I've used. And it has been my all-time favorite. I mean, it's not perfect for what we do in the tournament world, because we, we do need like some special things, but the clips and the way that the TV dual fits and you don't have a, a transmitter like flopping around or, you know, 
it's, it's just worked so perfect. So I'm using the TMB dual. It fits right on my little bracket on my on the front chest on the opposite side that I'm on the gun. I mean, like I've got all that down to the science. So even in like the clinics of the wing shooting stuff, literally break that down. You put so many shells in this hand, you hold your gun right here. You use this, the dog's out on the retrieve, you reload your gun, put your safety back on. Like you're ready to go. Like every single second of field management is planned. So this gear thing works really well. And the TMB dual just, it makes a lot of those things very simple too when you're on multiple dogs. Where do you see, um, it, when you start to get into a training and you start, you know, you're talking 12, 15 dogs and you're, you're individually doing, do you have a master plan set out? Do you like set it at the beginning of the week and you're like, okay, on Monday, each dog is going to go through this. Cause I assume that these dogs are at different levels and different, you know, different levels of the training game, right? Some are more advanced than others. So do you have it to yeah. where every dog's going to do the same thing? There just might be a little bit more advanced in that, in that exercise for that day. Or you, you have like a total scope of work for Monday and then Tuesday, you know, exactly when your truck stops and that you open that trailer door and that dog gets out, you know what he or she's going to be doing, put him or her back into yeah. her, into her box. And then you take the next one out how does that work well I'll normally start with like the 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 intro dogs i'll go first so whether it's bird intro because you reuse some of your equipment right so you reuse your birds or you only need your gun out for certain dogs or something like that so it makes all that like really simple and then the force fetch stuff you know you've got certain bumpers that you use check cord that kind of thing which that can transition into collar work too and then um once you get to like run a marks or um, like on the pointer side, I use the, um, oh, I couldn't, I could not live without the QL thrower these days, the dog launchers, forget it. Like if I had to go back to life without those, I'm not sure I could even train pointers anymore. <laughs> no lie that they've made my life so easy. So, you know, and then you just go catch your homers and go plant your launchers and, turn the dogs out and one by one and let them do their thing and make their corrections. And like, you just make it a game, you know, like the whole day is like, you just try to keep that attitude that we're just playing with dogs and we're going to keep the best attitude. We're going to get the best out of them. And when they don't think it's fun, we're going to take a bumper break and get them back on track and start again. And how many hours a day do you think that this, you know, just having fun with your dogs is taking place. Like, are you with them eight to 10 hours a day? Working them. I'm talking about actual training exercises. No, I don't have that. I don't have that many. And like, I'm not running testing dogs. So like, I'm not having to set up for those kind of marks. Like I do breaking marks for studying or something like that, but I'm not pushing dogs on a master hunter level. Not at this point. I mean, I have no desire to do that right now. I love running that. And I'll do it with my personal dogs, but I'm not joining the hunt test world because I'm a shooter. So yes, I value the skill sets and I enjoy spending my summers there. But when it comes hunting season, I want to be shooting my gun. So on the, on the upland side of training, like, you know, you go put out birds and make sure, you know, you're quartering into them or, you know, that kind of thing. And then it's over, you know, shoot your few birds for them. And do you and miss, do you miss more than you hit the birds, Anna? No, come on. You can be honest here. Let's be transparent. I'm not 
going to say I don't have a bad day because Lord knows I just had one two weekends ago. I was humiliated. But no, I'm not going to miss more than I hit. That ain't going to happen. My coach would make me start over. What's the? Give me some ideas on today's Dog Trip podcast of what it takes to be a good shotgunner. What are some of the, the fundamentals that we have to remember? Anna V, what do we teach somebody? Like, how do we, is it sh- cheek down on the gun? Is it how to look down the rib? Is it how to keep the swing going and the barrel moving through the shooting zone? Is it shooting with both eyes open? Do you close an eye? Which eye do you close? How, how, how do we teach somebody just a few quick fundamentals from a, from a top level shooter like yourself? Well, there's, there's two things that are make or breaks and it's gun fit. Number one, and you can't go on Facebook and ask somebody if you should buy this gun or what do they think about it? Because it could be a slam dunk for somebody and it could be a total train wreck for you, you know, and, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the product. It has to do with the way that it fits you. So that's number one. And, and people just don't understand that, you know, until it's pointed out to them. So, you know, I encourage everybody that's looking for a gun, go pick up every single gun on the shelf and feel it because balance and fit the the way that it swings all that stuff like you're gonna have that light bulb moment when it works even though you may not understand the mechanics of how it fits you and how all those um dimensions work together but you're gonna be able to tell a difference so that's number one and then once you have that proper gun fit then once you get the proper mount and you understand how to get that mount to where you're not dipping your muzzle and swinging through birds and all this other stuff. I mean, anybody can be on fire. I feel like, you know, you can make anybody a better shooter with simple fundamentals. And then you start getting into your shooting system, right? Your choke tubes, your patterning, your sights, and every, your rear sight, your front sight, everything that goes into the actual system, don't right? Don't worry about sights. Don't worry about sights. Oh, don't not start talking world. that you just look down nope. the barrel. Stop it. I don't it. even have a bead on the end of my gun. Stop There's it. There's not a bead. Stop I, it. I will I will totally go to the trailer and break it out. There's not a bead on the end of my gun. Now, it wasn't on purpose, but I, I have know no this. idea how long. You need been. one on there. No, you don't. Yes, you do. I don't even know how long it's been gone. I just shoot my gun and the bird falls out of the sky. Yeah, I don't know. I know, but the birds are like, what, 12 feet when they get up? It's not, I mean, you're kicking them to get up a little bit. I'm talking about like when no, you're... No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. That goes back to gun fit, right? Because here's the kicker. And this is why people will miss. And it's very frustrating when you care so much as a, as a coach or an instructor and people get upset or discouraged before they understand why they're missing. And it's not because they're bad. It's because they got the wrong product in their hand a lot of times. So um, that's probably like the biggest message is like, People think, okay, well, I'm just going to go to the clay course and shoot without having somebody explain to them the fundamentals of how to make all this work. And if they don't have the right product, well, it doesn't mean that they're a bad shooter. It just means that they haven't, they're not lined up. So the, the biggest issue is if your eye is not in line with the muzzle, then you cannot be guaranteed that what you see is what you're going to hit. Right? So it's super simple. I mean, it's a super simple principle, but people don't think about it like that. 
So they may want to shoot a certain gun because they just love the gun or they love the brand or their appreciation for the product, whatever. But it doesn't mean it's going to bring them the most success in the field. So that's the whole thing about, you know, finding people that are like, oh, I can't shoot moving targets. Well, let's find out why, because it might, might very well be a super simple fix. But you still have to have a yeah. site. You still want to have a site. For sure you do. Mm. Yes. You don't need it. I'm not Let me saying, tell you what maybe at your level and that, maybe your instincts have taken over in your game, no, 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 but in no. a real, in a real you, Georgia wild quail hunt or a real mallard duck hunt in North Dakota, you want a site. Okay. Everybody listening, do not listen to Chad right now, because what he's going to do now, when you go shoot, you're going to be checking, is your bead on the bird? Is your bead on the bird? And you know, what's going to happen. You're going to shoot behind the bird every single time. Do not listen to him. That's not true. <laughs> Keep it is so true. You got Keep you, you could get your target. coach on here and everything, and I'm going to have a little argument with both of you. Well, you can argue all you want to, but I will tell you, I will take a team. You can take a team. You can tell them to match their bead up to the bird and pull the trigger. And I'm going to teach my people how to keep with the moving target. And at the end of the day, my students will hit more birds than yours. Not a chance. I, I put a hundred bucks on it right now. Hundred dollars? That ain't even worth me getting out of bed for. What are we really going to bet? Well then. I don't know, but I'm just 10 grand, you, 10 grand, 10 grand. I'll put together a team today. <laughs> you put together your team and we'll meet at a neutral location. You cannot put a team together. No, it, they have to be random unknown people. You're not stacking me. Oh, that's fine. I'll get randoms. It's true. You cannot, you can't, you cannot put the bead on there and worry about it because you're going to stop moving your gun. You're going to worry about where your bead is. Now I do know how to calculate leads. You should start your own podcast. You. And here's the, here's the name of it. What not to do with Anna V. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. Don't take shooting lessons from Chad. Oh my God. No, I like that SCI cup. That's a nice tumbler mug. My favorite one. Yeah. Safari so, club international. Are you going to the Safari club convention in January? I'm hoping and praying we have it. If we there, I'll be there with bells on. I know it's going to, I, I was on, I was on a podcast with him yesterday. They're having it. I'm it's so done. excited. You don't have your rooms yet. You better get checked in. I think so. You do? I think, I think that I'm on the list. Yeah. Oh, good. It's going to be fun. We get to watch yep. Larry, the I'm cable guy. Well, congratulations yeah. on all of this success. You're fired up. You're pumped up. You're tired. You look like a hot mess. You haven't washed your hair in a couple of weeks, it looks like. I don't know how often the showers are coming, but it doesn't look like very often. See, I didn't say any of that kind of stuff at the beginning. You put words in my mouth. I just said you got your hair up because you usually got your hat on. You usually got I your know. lid on. So, Not today. I'm, yeah, I'm just wanting to get caught up a little bit. I get it. I get it. Well, um, I like the idea that hunting season's around the corner. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be training a little bit still, but you're going to be gunning and hunting a bunch. Um, when let's check yeah, back. Let, let's check back. <laughs> let's check yeah, back like, in in a couple weeks about. Uh, let's check back in, and I want to. I really want you to start, and this is what I want you to do for me. I want you to start videoing. Okay. I want somebody to video you shooting without your bead. And I want you to send me the misses and the hits because I know there's going to be several misses. I don't want my phone to get overloaded with all the videos of you missing. So <laughs> probably don't need to send okay. them all, but really for real, I want to get a checkup. I want an update from the field and I want you to start shooting with a bead in a sight. 
I really do want you to. I want you to be the best shotgunner that you can be. Well, there's not a sight on a shotgun. And you were a shotgunner. <laughs> Why do you keep using this lingo? A what bead. A bead. You, you could put about? a sight on a shotgun. For sure you can. Why would you do that? Because I, well, yeah, I've been, you're gonna go shoot turkeys. I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm not talking about a sight with a dot or anything. I'm just talking about a illuminated light <laughs> pipes, a high vis on the end of it is the best way to take a bird off. Oh my gosh. No, I, I, I don't need none of that. Are, are you out of your do you know how many ducks and, and geese I've had in front of me and I it's pull different. up? Do you know what a triple means? Listen, I, I just go out there with my side by side in the grouse woods and I cannot wait. Just with my little side by side and my dog and don't worry about none of that stuff. Just keep your eye on the target and shoot it. Okay, but it doesn't it doesn't um it if you're not agreeing with me though that a, a light a light pipe sight will come in handy for you. I had one I did use one on my sporting clay gun where I was more apt to calculate lead, but I do not think about that when I'm shooting birds. I'll give you that much. Okay. 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 That's not, that's not the argument. That's not the argument. I want you to concentrate at the beginning of your hunting season with a, with a good, a good sight, illuminated sight on your shotgun and the end of it on your front side. It's going to be, it's going to become second nature to you, but you really are following that bead, that light pipe. I'm telling you, you are out of your mind. I do it every day in the field. Low light conditions, freaking, it lights up the whole world. If it's if it's an overcast day and the geese are working in and you pull that side up, you with no nothing on the end of your shotgun, you have no placement. You have no pin placement. You just all. I'm not saying that somebody with your level of expertise or your level of experience in shotgunning can't rely on their instincts to pull up and kill a bird once in a while. But as the guy or girl starts their shotgunning career or is getting into it, that sight is going to help them develop the instincts that you were talking about. You have developed over the years that's the reason you're hitting the birds with no sight is because you learned with the sight no the reason i'm hitting birds with no sight is because my gun fit my eye is directly over the end of my muzzle so where my eye looks mom my gun shoots there that's why it's not because i'm checking a sight with my target that's not it when you do that, it causes you to hesitate on your shot Mm-mm. and you stop moving your barrel. We're not, we're not, we're not on the same page here. I know that you're going, <laughs> I, I know. know that it's going to become second nature to, you think you're not looking at that site, but you really I'm are. I'm putting a fluorescent sight on the end of my shotgun to go shoot birds. I'm not saying that you need it, but I'm telling you that the team I put together and train and you put together your oh. team with no sight, we will smoke you with my that with that style. I'm telling you. Hmm. Think about it. You're oh, you're, you're you're asking a rookie shotgunner to not have anything to go off of. Just just go there and just use your instincts and keep the barrel no, moving no, no, and point. No. Follow I the bird. I'm saying that they shouldn't have that. I am saying they can't rely on that because once they start checking their target with their bead, it stops the swing of the gun. You're talking, you're making it sound like they're going to pull the gun up and they're going to go, wait a minute, my bead's not on it. That bead helps you develop the instincts you're talking about right now because you really are. do that. Like this is, this is something that I coach all the time. And I'm like, you can't focus on your bead. You got to focus on the target. 
I'm going to have to talk to the, the difference. I'm going to have to talk to the shotgun and coaches association because I don't think you're coaching right. <laughs> I am, okay, uh, that's all right. But I am going to file a complaint. I'm gonna. I want to know who who gives you an opinion. I, well, we all have opinions. Sure. This is an opinion. So we're, this is we're fact. talking about Churchill. Let's talk about Churchill, right? Because that's the most popular wing shooting technique in the world. Okay. In the world, the Brits are, you know, known for being the best wing shooters ever. Okay. So let's just say, what is Churchill method? If we're going to go to Webster's and get a super short, precise definition, it's going to be this simple. Instinctual shooting. It's going to be a low gun, follow the bird, you roll your shoulder up, you put the gun to your cheek, bam. You pull the trigger as soon as this happens. Because and, and that gun has a bead on it. That gun's going to have a lighted bead on it. It's going to have, a, a, even the Europeans use them also. I, it's not even about the bead or not the bead. I'm telling you. I'm not. I'm not arguing your. I'm not arguing your style of low gun, shoulder roll, all get on the bird, get out in front of the bird, follow the, you know, and then keep your barrel moving to to, to let your shot string spread out. I'm not arguing any of that. I'm just arguing that as you start shotgunning, even this late in my career, this you know, this many years later, as I I've been shotgunning a long time, that lighted bead or that light pipe sight at the end of your shotgun barrel helps you stay on the bird it's still your instincts taking over but that illumination helps you stay on the bird there's no way you could argue that with me that's why our military uses them handgun shooters use them police officers use them on all their handguns and shotguns it's because you have that that the instincts being driven by your vision you can't say anything about pistol because pistol you focus on your front side no i'm not your back side I'm, in I'm, your peripheral. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's the same exact as pistol shooting. I'm saying that the no. light pipe technology is rolled over into shotgunning because that concentration doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stop your shotgun barrel. That's what your argument is, that they're going to stop no, their barrel. The new shooters that have not established a technique can't process that much information in such a short amount of time. So if you start pointing out beads and leads instead of just focusing on the moving target, which if they have a proper, properly fit gun, their guns is going to go there. I'm eliminating oh. thought process in their head because the whole point of being a successful shotgunner is to exist in your subconscious. So if you're giving them all these things to think about, then you're bringing them out of their subconscious where they need to be shooting without thinking and throwing them in their conscious, which is going to cause them to shoot behind. I do not argue that one bit. But all I'm saying is that I never once said that you put the bead on there or you put the sight on there and then tell them to concentrate on that. I said it's on there. It's going to help them concentrate to do everything that you just described. Okay, maybe I'll get one on there just to see if I pay attention. Yes. I'm going to send you one. God. Jeez, criminy. That was tough. Well, it seemed like you were misinforming people. And I just told you the biggest issue is that people get discouraged because they don't understand why they're missing and they don't even have to worry about that if they have the proper gun fit um i think we're on the same page i just think the only argument is is that i think that the i think that the the technology today helps you i'm not saying that people can do it at a greater value than i am that's just it i am i just don't value that 
near as much. I don't. I agree think that with if you were starting to, I think if you were starting today, you would. I think you would. If you came on a duck hunt, I just started. I just started seven years ago. Well, that's not very. That's a pretty good amount of experience. As much as you shoot, it's not like you started seven days ago. You're right. And, and 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 you were a, you were a mature woman when you started. So your muscle skills, your muscle memory, your instincts, your brain, all of the your cognitive thinking, the way that you can get in the zone, all of that stuff was already into you. You look like an athlete. I'm sure that you've played sports or competed in your life before you became a competitive shooter. I would assume that. I guess that's not safe to assume, but I, I would think that at that point in your life, you probably dribbled a basketball already. You've done a lot of the things that you're like, okay, I can pick the shotgun up, and you're an athlete. But I'm saying that with Today's technology, you put that light pipe on the end of a shotgun, I truly believe in it. It can make you a better shooter faster. It was it wasn't that easy though. It really wasn't. I think I went through I think I went through six guns in a year and a half before I found the right one. Found the right gun. Yeah, and in in what you're yeah. doing, that's a big, you know, I could I can shoulder for what I do when I have a Super Black Eagle, you know, three the new threes and the different shim kits and everything that come with it. You can find it. You can cut down the stock if you need to. You can find the right barrel length. I mean, I've been pretty lucky with the way that I've been able to get my guns designed and built. So you are right. Gun fit is so 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 important, and that's why when you see mm-hmm. like a, a, a youth hunt go on and you're just like, oh, just give them grandpa's gun, they'll be fine. Well, that's not the case. It's 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 a study of getting the right tool in that kid's hand or that woman's hand or that new man's hand that's getting into the game and making them understand why fit is so important. Say, I mean, you don't, I can't go out and grab my brother's golf clubs. I suck at golf anyway, but golf clubs are all different sizes for a reason. There's a different fit in everything. The baseball bats. but. But what I'm saying is that I completely agree with everything you're saying, except the fact that you could teach a team with no bead to shoot better than my team with a bead or a, light, a lighted sight, you know, starting kind of from the beginning. I, I would take that challenge. I'm not saying you're hundred percent wrong. Never, I've never started a new shooter and said anything about focusing on or like having a relationship with the bead. I don't think, I don't think I've done that. So I'm Never. just saying, like, there's different styles of coaching. I get it. You know, my way is not the only right way. I get it. But I do produce successful shooters. I do know that. So I'm just going to stick to what I know because of my experience. I'm, I would not tell you to do anything different. I will say that you're wrong <laughs> in many ways. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so everybody that needs... um. That, that has questions about their shotgun fit, just message me because we'll just get this fixed right over photos and get you going. Yeah, you should start an online shotgun fitting business. That'd be perfect for you too. It could go with your, cor- be- your corn maze and your slides, your dog treading business, everything else you got your paws <laughs> into. Your paws, no pun intended, another episode of the Foul Eye Podcast brought to you by Dogtra with the one and only Anna V. Anna V Outdoors on Instagram, correct, Anna V? Correct. Anna V Outdoors. Check her out. Give her a follow. We're going to have some big podcast news coming up. We'll have some announcements with Anna shortly in the podcast game. Look for her out in the field. If you see her at a cafe, if you see her in the field, just walk up to her and say, Anna, I know you're busy, but if you don't mind, I'd like to give you take a couple minutes to teach you how to shoot a shotgun. She will gladly oblige and listen to you. <laughs> teach her what I've been trying to teach her for the last couple minutes. Anna, thank you. Any closing words? <laughs> 
No, this is always so much fun. It's always fun. I love your stories. Thanks for having me on. I really hope you get a chance to shower today. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Thank you so much to Dogtra. The best. I'm telling you. Learn the ethics of training dogs and why collars and training collars and collar conditioning is so important to the health, the safety, the security, the success of all of your labs, all of your duck dogs, all of your pointing upland dogs. I'm talking Dogtra is in the canine game in every form, and you can see all of their products on their websites, on Instagram, on Facebook. Thank you, Dogtra, for supporting us, all of our brands, and the culture, the American hunter, the American dog, the duck dog, the sporting dog. We out. Thank you, Anna V. Thank you, Dogtra. Peace out. Peace out.